Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. I've been talking about um, the, the, the prophetic callings that the Lord has given us for Overflow Church and what God's planning on doing right here in this region and what we've been going after for the past four and a half years, okay? And, but I, I wanted to make sure that even if you've heard some of these in the past, just get refreshed in it and ask Holy Spirit to deepen it in you. And if you haven't, you need to hear this stuff, okay? I don't, I don't talk about this all the time, but I just I felt in this season that it's a Cairo season for getting the vision deepened into our hearts. You guys good with that? How many of you guys know that you have to have a vision to know where you're headed? And you need to know where you're headed if you want to make pro, like have a productive life, right? Like you, without vision, the people perish. But with vision, you have something to aim for and you can run towards it. Amen? So I'm going to give you guys some real, fra- real fast bullet point refreshers on things I've hit over the past few weeks. <clears throat> on, on September the 8th, uh, 2010, it was Yom Kippur. And I told you guys about the encounter I had at the prayer house at Bethel. Not going to tell the whole story again. You can go back and listen to the podcast, all right, if you need to hear it again or you haven't heard it. But I had this encounter. I was going to break a 10-day, it's either a 7 or 10-day fast with communion that evening, and, and, but the Lord said, give me one more moment. So before I broke my fast with the communion, I laid down on the floor on my back, and immediately I felt the presence of an angel come land right by my head. And I felt the glory of God fall on me, and he started giving me this profound, uh, to me, profound prophecy to my life. But at the end of the prophecy, he showed me a, a picture, and I was, I was perched on a mountain looking down into a big city. It was at nighttime, and the city was lit up. And, and in the middle of the city, I saw a fiery giant eye in the middle, and it was the eye of God. All right? in the middle of the city, and, and I was watching this, and the Lord said to me, don't you want to claim this city as mine? I'll show you what it is in due time. God was a poet and didn't even know it. <laughs> don't you want to claim this city as mine? I'll show you what it is in due time. <laughs> that was 2010. I, I didn't know what city it was, but I knew that I just needed to put that on the shelf and know that God will confirm it and reveal it more in the right time. And so I just, I just kind of knew that there's going to come a point when God was going to give me a place that he wanted me to claim for him. And, and I believed that there's going to be some kind of calling to that city that God was going to let me be a part of his big plan, all right? I've always just had that belief that, that he's positioned me for that. All right, one year prior to that, just almost exactly a year prior to that, I had had a, a dream. That was, it, my dreams that are prophetic usually are a little weird too, but, uh, but God uses weird sometimes as code. But I, I had a dream that, that I talked to somebody. I had moved away from Indiana in 2001. I always came back every year to see my family, but I never planned on moving back. 
all right? I thought, I thought this was just going to be back home, all right? Back home again in Indiana. But, but in this dream, <clears throat> I met somebody who's from Indianapolis, and it had been a, at least eight years, eight and a half years since I'd moved away, so a long time. And, and in the dream, when I, when I found out this person was from Indianapolis, um, the, I, I felt this longing in my heart, like a, almost like a homesickness for that city. And I was remembering all the wonderful things about that city and the people that God cared for, all right? And then after I woke up from that dream, like, God bless Indianapolis. Bless them from afar. No, I'm just joking. But I didn't, it didn't like, it did, I always knew from, since I had that dream that there might be something about Indianapolis. I just didn't know what. But in the dream, when they referenced Indianapolis, it was called the Big Apple, all right? And, and I know that the Big Apple, you guys think it's New York City, but since I was a kid, I used to think Indianapolis was the Big Apple. You guys have heard me say this. WZPL, the radio station, has the apple with a bite chunked out of it. But I thought it was Indian Apple S, right? <laughs> Indianapolis. So God actually used that old funny thing in my dream as a code word, right? Talking about Indianapolis. All right? So let's advance several years forward. It was, it was the, the fall of 2016 became a real important season shift for me and for Jessica. And it was um, October the 5th, 2016. I was at Bethel. I was a revival group pastor at Bethel at this time, had been there, I think, about eight, eight years or so <clears throat> at Bethel, and we were at an Open Heavens conference. Everybody say, Open Heavens. Open heavens. Say it again, Open Heavens. Do you guys love Open Heavens? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, you do. And Brian Houston from Hillsong Movement was there preaching that day, and when he was preaching, he was preaching about callings and destinies and pursuing them, and I had laid down a lot of my, my long-term vision to the Lord on the altar because I, I needed to have a season where I was, I was fully serving somebody else's vision, laying it all down, and I needed to also lay it down so I could just make sure that I know and my family knows that they come before my ministry calling. You guys hear that? That will never change. But God had to take me through a whole season of, of helping me reprioritize my heart for that, okay? But at this conference, when he was preaching, <clears throat> I had an encounter, and the Lord started speaking to my spirit, and this is the first time in, I mean, like probably a decade or more, I don't know how long, it's been a long time, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Jesse, it's now time for you to start breathing fire into your dream. And, and it, was like, it was like the first time he's actually given me permission to pick up my vision and start letting him breathe on it, okay? And so when, when he did that, I started feeling fire land on my heart, just stoke that thing up real big again for an apostolic calling from God, all right? And so when that was happening, for some reason, I, I, I was planning a a trip to Indiana, and I knew that we were going to see family for Thanksgiving, but I knew that God wanted us to do ministry here. And all of a sudden, I just started having this, this huge heart and passion for Indiana. I didn't want to go to Indiana, Indiana except to see family. 
holidays only. Amen. All right? But, but I started feeling an apostolic heart of God for this city and the people of central Indiana. And my heart started just feeling, I felt the Father's love for His people. And, and I knew that God was telling me, I want you to go minister my love to my people, to my kids. I want you to bring refreshing to them. Amen? And, and, and just consider the fact that when the Lord started, the very day started putting a fire in my heart and a calling to the people of Indiana, it's just, it's, it's not ironic that it happened at the Open Heavens Conference. Because I believe that's a huge part of what God's doing here is bringing open heavens. Amen? So the very next day, I called my friend Tony Costa, and, and I started sharing with him my heart about this. He, he got excited. He started telling me about uh, some things that was going on in the region at the time, and, and there was just some fallout that had happened that, where there was some great revival momentum. Fallout started happening, and there's a lot of broken hearts, and it was like, it was like things just kind of scattered, right? And not, not saying that God ended everything. I'm just saying there was, there was some things that just caused some heart, there's ripple effects that it was just a hard moment for a lot of people. Does that make sense? That's all I'll say about that. But, but I felt God's broken heart for the people. I felt his compassion, and I felt like he was showing me the heart of a shepherd caring for sheep that were without a shepherd. And so it was like he was just stirring that in me all the more. On Yom Kippur, hallelujah, uh, October the 12th, 2016, just a, just a few days later, um, I had a glory encounter. The Lord came into David's bedroom when I was putting him down. You guys heard this story, but basically God starts speaking to me, and he started preparing my heart, to, to showing me he's thankful that I've laid it all down, putting him first, putting my family first, and serving the vision of the Bethel movement, Amen. And he's thanking me for that, but he's setting me up, saying, it's your time coming real soon. Come on. And so three days later, October the 15th, 2016, I was in Starbucks, and I was reading through the Bible chronologically, and I kept seeing this phrase popping out all through the, the story of the Israelites in the wilderness, and, it, and God kept telling them, possess the land that I have given to you as an inheritance. Everybody say that with me. Possess the land that I have given to you as an inheritance. Come on. And the Lord started giving me this revelation on that very phrase that he was saying, I've already given you an inheritance. So to God, he's already been there and done that. And to him, it's a sealed, done deal. Amen? So I, to him, I've already given you a land as your inheritance. To him, it's a completed job. Hallelujah. Everybody say, it is finished. It is finished. But to us, living in a chronos timeline, right? God was over here because he's, he's the God of eternity, right? Past, present, future, it's all the same to him. But to me... I'm like, there's past, there's present, and there's still future that has yet to come. To God, it's already done. But he says, possess the land. So, uh, you know, to, to Joshua and, and Moses taking Israelites out of Egypt to the promised land, before them, is, there's armies and there's giants, right? 
and, and there's gonna and there's a river and there's a dead sea or sorry a red sea and all this stuff between them right but God's saying possess the land you you have something still yet to accomplish that that you don't have it yet but it's already yours I've already done it I've given it already to you it's your it's not just your job it's your inheritance in other words it's a promise. It's called the promised land, right? When you know that God has already been there and done that and He's promised it to you, whatever's between you and there, you have to stay anchored to what He says already is done that hasn't happened on the Kronos line yet. You, you hear me? In other words, things are much greater up ahead. You, you see things coming and facing you, and they want to tell you, you ain't got a chance. You, there's no way that you're going to get that thing. You, you are crazy for believing that kind of stuff. Oh, no. No, I've, I've been there with God. I've been there with Him in the Spirit, in the heavens. I've seen this thing, and I know it's real. And to God, it's already happened. I've been there, and not only have I been there, I choose to continue living in that place, in my spirit, even though in my body, I still have some fighting to do. <laughs> but when I know he said it's already done, and he already sees that it's happened, I can, I can rest assured that the fight, that the battle belongs to the Lord, and he never loses. Come on! And the Lord was speaking that, that revelation to me in Starbucks. And I'm getting this download. And he starts showing me how, how when they went to take the promised land, the, the people who lived there, weren't, weren't, they weren't like excited, like, come and join us. We invite you to come and be with us and, and, and just be blessed amongst us. They, they didn't get there by invitation, right? They got there by a word by an inheritance, and then by possessing it, right? They had to possess it. And the Lord started showing me all the things that he's given me visions and callings for. I, I had been waiting for some, some church somewhere that needed a new pastor to call me up and say, hey, I heard you, heard you might want to be a pastor, and we just got the perfect place for you. We're, we're, we're already a church that's, that we're, we're, we're doing good, but, but we need somebody to come in and take us to the next place. And, and we got a salary for you, too. Right? I had kids, right? That, that's less risky when you have something that's already prepared, right? But, but God was saying, you're, you're, he reminded me of that verse in Matthew that says, it says that um, the, the kingdom of heaven is taken by force. It says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And he started telling me, now I'm not, I'm not dogging the other opportunity, right? That just never came to me. So he's saying, I got a different path for you. And he was showing me, I'm going to have to actually just make this thing happen. But he's going to make it happen. Come on. And, and I got remi to remind you that never did we... Uh, apply the concept of going into a land and possessing it and, ta and taking plunder, that, that doesn't have anything to do with churches and other, other people, okay? We weren't going to go to a land and try to start a church and then grab people from other churches like, like they're the Philistines, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not like that. 
but we're possessing the land, taking occupation of where the enemy is holding things back and resisting. Amen? Amen. All right, making sure you guys understand that. And so when the Lord gave me that download, I was like, man, I just, this thing clicked in me. I said, God, does that mean you're calling us to plant a church? Step, step into an existing one. And he said, yes, that does mean that. And all of a sudden, this lion rose up in me, and I realized God has actually given us an authority in the Spirit to rise up and to take the land. And I felt, I felt this power, this courage, this boldness, this authority fill me up so much that I, it made me jump out of my seat in Starbucks. And I had to charge myself out of the door And I started pacing back and forth. People probably thought, who is that idiot out there talking to himself? There's plenty of people in Reading that talk to themselves pacing back and forth. Okay? (laughs) That day I was one of them. But the Lord just kept speaking this thing into me. I've called you to be a pioneer. You're a pioneer. You're going to go to new territories and blaze new trails. You're going to make things happen where it's not happening. Come on. I know that I've been built for that. That's why God put us in Reading for nine years. Amen? And then it was like two weeks later, November the 3rd. I don't remember if I told you guys this part or not. I think I did. I was having a coffee with my friend Lester Summerall. I do remember saying that because I made a joke about his grandpa who was an amazing man. Lester Summerall, the grandson. He had this prophetic word for me, and he said, he said, God's saying this to you right now. He had no idea what I was, what I was going through in that time, all right? Had no clue. He said, you keep praying to me. If you open the door, I'll go. But I'm saying to you, go, and then I'll open the door. <laughs> that takes a whole different kind of a faith right there. Amen? Go. And then I'll open the door. And then just to, just to put a cherry on top of it, you know the vision, right? With the, the picture of Moses leading them through the, you know, towards the promised land, right? And they're going to have to possess it. And then God raised up Joshua to carry it on because they're going to possess the land that God's given to them as an inheritance, right? Well, the picture Lester had, he saw Joshua with the Israelites, and they came up to the Jordan River, Again, he had no idea what, I, what God was doing in me for two weeks. They, they got to the Jordan River, and the priests had to take the Ark of the Covenant, hosting the very glory of God, and to step forth into the impossible place, the river, that could not be crossed. They stepped into the river, and then the waters parted, and the entire people crossed over into the promised land on dry ground. If they didn't go, the door would not have opened, right? And that's what you're saying to me. I see you. It's like you're, it's like you're at this place right now where you're going to have to step out where you don't see how you can, but trust me, I will open the door. Do you guys understand the pickle I was in? Because God's about to call me to resign a job and to move to a place that we'd have no clue if people are even going to receive us or not. <laughs> to leave revival land and, and job security and 
a community that loves us and celebrates us to go somewhere that I have no idea how people are going to act towards us. No clue. All I know is I have a word from the Lord. And he said, I've got a promised land for you. And I want you to possess the land that I've already given to you as an inheritance. So I, we, we had giants before us. We had armies before us. We had no clue. We had huge obstacles and huge possible fallout pitfalls ahead of us. All we had was a word from the Lord and an encounter that put us there in it where we could look around and see all that God said, this is yours, in the, in the, in the Kairos realm, all right? But in the Kronos realm, holy cow, Lord, if you don't show up, we are in deep doo-doo. <laughs> you guys hear me? Yeah. All right. But Lester said that, go and I will open a door. And that was confirmation to me. God was saying, you're going to have to step out in faith. You're going to have to step out of the boat. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to do something that you have no clue how it's going to pan out for you, but you've got to trust me. I'm going to do everything I said I'll do. All right? All right, that was some background that you've already heard, but I want to, I want to dive into some new content. Around that same time, it was actually just a few days, four days before I met with Lester, I was with another friend who had received a prophetic word from somebody at IHOP, actually. And when he was sharing it with me, the, the Lord started taking me into my own prophetic encounter because it was out of the book of Zechariah chapter 2. Excuse me. And the Lord reminded me of a prophetic word he gave me a long time ago from that. So I want to tell you guys about this. Um, in Zechariah, just so you know, if you guys actually want to turn your Bibles there, Zechariah chapter 2, I'll get to that in a second here. Judah, which is part of Israel, and, and, and especially the city of Jerusalem, they were, all the inhabitants of that land were in exile for 70 years, okay? That, that means that they were, they were imprisoned in another nation. And around that time, um, Cyrus, who was the ruler at the time, allowed some Jews to return back to Israel so that they could rebuild the temple. And, and this, was a, this was a move of God, right? But, but only 50,000 50, Jews returned back to Jerusalem. I want to just give you context. Jerusalem now has about 919,000, Okay. So 50,000 is kind of a small number for such a massive space. You guys got that? So 50,000 returned. And these prophets, uh, Zechariah and Haggai, and probably a few other prophets at the time, were, were sent by God to encourage his people to restore the temple, to restore the city, and to restore the religious worship practices. And, and ultimately, it was to bring spiritual renewal to the land. How many of you guys know that even... When almost everybody's in captivity, God sees what's coming. Huh? God did not intend for his people to stay in captivity. He, he intended to bring all his people back into the land and to bring revival to them. All right? So he's speaking things to the prophets. 
that he promised was coming that they could not see with their eyes yet. You guys got that? All right, so Jerusalem, I don't know if exactly in this time when, when Zechariah was there or not, but uh, Jerusalem historically had had a wall all around it. And that's what God sent Nehemiah to go rebuild the places where the wall is broken. All right, but, but it, Jerusalem was a city that, was, that had a wall around it. And back in those days, walled cities was very important because the walls... Um, they, they offered the city protection and fortification. So it was, it was to help the, city, the cities stay safe. But with walls also comes permanent boundary marks. Okay? Permanent boundary marks. When you build a wall around a city, you pretty much capped city growth to that measure. Does that make sense? All right. So th there's limitations on how much you can fit in a walled city. So it gives fortification, but it also brings limitations. Does that make sense to you? All right, so Zechariah chapter 2. Um, Zechariah saw a vision of an angel who was sent by God with a measuring line, is probably like a measuring tape, to go measure the distance between the walls in every direction. He's going to measure the walls of the city. So what he was actually doing was going to see how far are the limitations on this city. Does that make sense? Starting with verse 4, oh, while he was on his way to do that, another angel came and stopped the angel en route to do what God told him to, stopped him before he measured the walls. Now verse 4, this angel said to the other angel, he says, run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls. Everybody say, without walls. Because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. So a city that was historically known to have a wall around it, a fortification, also had its limited limitations on it. And so only a certain amount of people would be able to inhabit it. But now an angel is actually prophesying and said, this is actually going to be a city that does not have walls because of how many people are coming, the, how much livestock's coming. It's going to be so plenteous that you can't even put a wall around it. All right? But it continues, for I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her. Whoa. So we don't need walls of stone anymore because now we have God, Yahweh himself, surrounding us with a, as a wall of fire. What wall would you prefer around you, a rock wall or God of fire? Which one do you think is going to protect you the most? Which one's going to limit you the most? You got it. I will be a wall of fire around her. I will be the glory in her midst. How many of you guys want God's glory in our midst? This was a prophetic promise. Up, up, flee from the land of the north, says the Lord, for I have spread you abroad like the four winds of heaven, says the Lord. Got to just give you a little insert here. That's New King James. I want to read that last verse. In the King James, the old King James, it says, Ho, ho, come forth and free from the land of the north. It's proof that Santa Claus exists. <laughs> I 
That was a freebie. I want you to see the prophetic magnitude of what Zechariah experienced when he's in a city that's pretty much abandoned because people are in captivity and slavery, right? Not in the bounty of the Lord. And, and he's seeing this vision of the city that has historically been seen as something that's been powerful and mighty, but with his limits. And now God's showing him that all the greatness that it's ever been, guess what? I'm going to take down the walls, and I'm actually going to be its wall. And it's not going to be the same distance between the walls, because i got to create space for the more that's coming. And I'm going to be a wall of fire that's going to protect you and bless you and keep the, the, the evil out. And my glory is going to be in your midst. Hallelujah. And the Lord was speaking this to me. And He was showing me that His promises are way bigger than what we can see right now. All right? There, there's a, there could, we could say there are a lot of people who maybe are still in captivity to, not, to, 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 to things like religion or things like limited beliefs. All right? But the Lord's about to shake things loose. And, and he, he told me that, that he's going he, he's gonna to bring something so great that you can't measure the size of it anymore because he's going to do a move that's going to impact more people than what you're used to seeing. And I even felt like the Lord was even prophetically showing me in that season that this is what he's prophesying about this greater Indianapolis region. God's the limit. We, we, we need to let the walls of constrict or, or like the walls of limitation fall and trust that God can be the one who can determine how big the limits are. But you can only do that by entering prophetically into the promises of the Lord, stepping into his Kairos place, where he sees what he's already completed in heaven, even though you're not seeing it on your Kronos timeline. If we live here and measure things based on what we're seeing or what we've experienced, we've put our own boundaries around us. But when we can live in the realm where God promises things that are greater than you've ever seen, then we can, we can go in that place and there's no limits. And it's not just about us, it's about Him surrounding us with fire and His glory dwelling in the midst. Hallelujah. Amen? And, and for me personally, it was just kind of a, just an add-on. When it says flee from the land of the north, it felt like God was just saying confirmation, you live in northern California, I'm going to move you. It was just a, for me, it was just a little, a little thing. <clears throat> but verse 8, the next, the next, sorry, two verses later, verse 8, it says, He sent me after his glory to the nations which plunder you, for he, touches, he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Touches the apple 
of his eye. Do you remember the Big Apple? Indianapolis? Come on. Do you remember the vision that I had where I was perched on a mountain looking down on a city and the eye of the Lord was in the middle? Okay? And the Lord was tying these themes together for me. For me. Okay? And, and for you now, right? For you. The eye of the Lord. I felt like the Lord was telling me, Indianapolis, this region is the apple of his eye. He's got his eye on us, and he's got plans to do things that are greater than what we currently see, and he wants to remove the boundaries of limitation so we can believe for great things to come, and it'll be him who wraps around us in fire and his glory in the midst. Hallelujah. Do you guys believe these things? Do, do, do you see why my heart was stirring so much in Jessica's heart to come to this region? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We believe that God has greater things in store than the measures of what we see right now. When, when I start feeling like I don't know if things are going to ever move forward, the Lord keeps reminding me, go back to my promises, and then I have to put myself back right here. And i got to start looking around again. Oh, yeah, the promises. This is where you're living from. I'm going to stay living from that place and steward that when I'm walking out in this place. i got to do it from living in there. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So in that fall time, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't me that was just, it wasn't only me that was getting a vision for this. It was Jessica too, and, and I, needed, I needed to know that her heart was being drawn into that as well. And I remembered back in 2009, I had a prophetic dream, and this, this was before we had any of our kids. But in the dream, Jessica was pregnant, and, and we were walking along with a few people, and she was explaining her pregnancy to us. She was telling us that her pregnancy was an implantation. Oh, wasn't ever planning on doing that, but hey, keep speaking, Lord. She was pregnant. She, it wasn't just an implantation. She was pregnant with a plant. Implantation. She's pregnant with a plant. See how God does code sometimes? And that plant was growing in there, and she had to have part of the tissue inside uh, removed to create space for the branches of the plant. And, and I remember seeing an x-ray, and it was just weird looking. <laughs> like this plant in there, <laughs> like the, and the stomach created like concaves and stuff for the branches to go out. It was weird. <clears throat> and it, in the dream, it seemed like she was kind of late in her pregnancy, so we thought maybe it happened soon. That was back in 2000. But after the, after the Lord started do, like stirring this stuff in us, we felt like we were actually becoming pregnant both of us felt pregnant with a church plant. See? So the Lord told me back in 2009 that she would become pregnant with a, with a church plant. And now it's time. Isn't that cool? So, so during the fall of 2016 and going into the spring of 2017, we just kept praying into this for months. 
And it was in May that I, I wrote this in my journal as, as the growing of the baby in there, right? In the spirit. I, I wrote this. And Jessica and I have talked about this. It feels like we're pregnant as we're about to submit our process to our leaders the following week, okay? I said it feels like we've already taken the pregnancy test and got a positive because the Lord has been confirming it to us, but now we're going to the doctors to confirm it so that they can say, you, you were right, okay? But we're going to submit it to them. And then, then we'd be revealing from there our plans to our family and friends. So that kind of the way you do with the pregnancy. So we knew that we were going to have to start submitting this to our leaders. <clears throat> Help me with time, Jesus. And so we were going to start submitting it. Our plan to, as a starting point was to take it to Steve Box, or sorry, Steve Backland, and then, and then Steve and Lorraine Box, who were here last week, and then Carl Richardson, who was my, my supervisor at work. Those were my starting points, okay? Our starting points. And I, I would love to take some time to explain to you why we have such a value for submitting these things to leadership, but I don't have time for that, so I'm just going to say it's wise to do that. We, we need to have checks and balances in our lives. We need to remember and believe this, that we are human and can have human error even in prophetic words and prophetic assignments. So we need to always have it going through the lens of the Word of God and through our, our community and spiritual leaders that God's given us. It's very important that we get external perspective either to help us see, to confirm if, if we're on it or not, or maybe it is, but it's the right season or not, or wisdom on how to proceed and to walk things out well. Does that make sense? So it's very important that we get things under covering for checks and balances. <clears throat> I'm already feeling the tension of time right now. I, I was going to meet with Mark, or sorry, with Carl Richardson, and, uh, and he was excited. He said, I feel God on this. He said, I, and I believe the that you're ready. The time's now. I believe that. And then he, he started having this prophetic thing that he wanted to speak to me. And he said, I remember back when I was a kid, a teenager, and I think he lived in Florida or Georgia, and there was this cliff that they would go to, and I think there's a river down below that they like to play at, and there's a tree that went out the cliff, angled out, and there's a rope swing right there. And so he said, one of the, their favorite things to do is to jump off the cliff and swing out over the river. He said, it's awesome. But he said, there's a real oh crap moment. Because in order to get to that, that rope, it was positioned just perfectly that when you're leaning out over the cliff and you're holding on to something behind you, you can't reach that rope. You have to let go and fall over the cliff into the rope. And then you swing. And he said, that moment is a what did I just do moment. But when you grab the rope and swing, then you're in for the ride of your life. And he said, that's what you're getting ready to face right now. <laughs> Especially when you meet with Mark Brooks, who was the director of the whole first year of BSSM. I was like, oh man, what am I about to be in for? So a few days later... 
I, I went to the prayer house and was just praying for breakthrough because I, I was working through some real anxiety because this is scary. Like, like this, is a, this is high risk stuff, okay? It's not just like a, should I, should I go on a date with that person this weekend or not? No, like I'm putting my family's life on the line, you know what I'm saying? Like, like either God's going to show up and it's going to be great or he's not and we're in a heap. See what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm working through fears of risk and, and uh, wondering, like just wanting to make sure, is God really in this or not? And, and so working through insecurities, um, the fear of missing God, the fear of failing. And, and I was preparing my heart to meet with Mark Brooks, which was scary to me for some reason. And I, I realized that with this anxiety that I was feeling, that when I think about approaching Mark as an employee to a manager... I feel anxious, and the Lord revealed to me that when I feel that way, that, that I'm functioning from an orphan spirit, but when I think of approaching Mark Brooks as a son would to a father, I felt great peace and covering, okay, and so I realized that my fears and anxieties were stemmed from orphan belief systems. And so I knew that the way you break orphan belief systems is to press into a good father. Amen? So I started pressing into the father, and I started walking around that room. There's a fountain in the middle, and I was, I was like, I said, Father, I love you. And that was like the first thing I said when he, when he told me to focus that way. Father, I love you. And immediately after I said that, I looked up. And my, my Nissan Pathfinder was out in the parking lot, and it was about 7 p.m., and there was a rainbow that was coming right on the Pathfinder. Pretty cool? I'll tell you what's even cooler. The last time it rained was like 6 a.m. How, how is there a rainbow? Like 13 hours later. God. And the Lord spoke to me. And, and he reminded me that the rainbow represents the promises of God. And he said this to me. The Father said to me, talking about our calling to come here and do this, right? He said, Jesse, this is not just a calling. It's a promise. It's a promise. And, and, and I started, like, getting this breakthrough. He's breaking the orphan spirit off of me, this anxiety. I started feeling like, whoa, my Father... Like, this, he's in this. He's all over this. It's inheritance. It's not just a calling of duty. That's, that's for slaves. It's sonship. It's, it's a calling to a promise. It's inheritance. So it's not just a blessing to the Lord, but it's actually a blessing to us. You guys hear in my heart? God's in this. Possess the land I've given to you as a job. No. Possess the land I've given to you as a responsibility. No. As something that you need to do for me. No. I've given this to you as an inheritance. Inheritance are gifts, lavish gifts given to children. Amen? Man. Part 22 next week. Because I'm running out of time and I still have more to say. <laughs> I want to tell you guys something. Next week, you better remember the, the vision I had on Yom Kippur. 
because I don't want to repeat it again. You got to remember this. I saw a city and I was perched on a hill looking down. I saw the eye of the Lord. Please claim this land for me, right? I got to tell you more about that stuff. Help me, Jesus. This is what? Amen. That's true. Because I have so much more I got to say. Can I ask you guys a question? Are you, is this helping you get prophetic insights into what God's dreaming up? It is? Is it encouraging your hearts? Is it helping elevate a level of hope and faith of things yet to come? That's the goal. That's the goal. But I still have so much more to say to you. And I hope that that's exciting, though, honestly, because I want you guys to see the measure of, of substance, prophetic substance that God put, put into this whole thing. Like, I mean, it is packed. I still have, I, there's still other things that I want to help expound your vision. The reason I felt like God told me to keep going with this is because I, I'm trying to cultivate in you. I'm, I'm trying to, it's like cultivating soil, right? I'm trying to work this into your hearts to broaden perspective that, that, that what we're doing is unto so much more than what we've seen yet. We've been doing this for four years intentionally. It hasn't become the fullness of everything that God's promised yet. But guess what? He's laying foundations and he's building something and there's great things ahead of us. Come on. Great things. Let me mark my notes so I can know where I'm coming back and then I want to close with something. The pace we're going... (laughs) We might be saying Merry Christmas in this message. (laughs) Oh, that's right. The Bible confirmed that today. All right. Here's what I want to close with. You're going to see more, okay? But... I just, I just want to just paint picture. Like, God is excited about what's ahead of us. And so are his angels. I promise you that. And, and they're patient. Like, they're not in a hurry. Because things have to be laid rightly. And, and when, you, when you build like a tower, and you want it to be one that's actually going to last, you, you take your time with foundations, okay? Because the, the, the deeper and broader the foundation is, the more weight it can hold built on top of it. And so, like, like we could have come here and tried to do a church plant and, and quickly gathered people and empowered people to do all these different things, and, and have a, a really fast setup of this dynamic-looking thing that would have all the stuff that you think a church should have and have all the kind of meetings you think a, ch- a revival church should have. But God actually told us that we need to focus first on laying foundations and building a healthy family. Okay? 
And, and Bill Johnson prophesied to us specifically to focus first on building a family before you try to build an apostolic center or whatever. Okay? Why do you think that would be? It's because we need to be healthy. If you build fast, it's like building on sand. It can look awesome, and it can be amazing, but the first thing that comes against it, it falls apart. When you build something on a solid foundation, it will weather any storm that comes against it. And we're here for the long haul. I've told you guys that. Um, we're not trying to hurry our way through this. We're trying to build something that's not big but fluffy. But we'll go slow, and it'll go as big as God makes it because he's the one who builds his church, not us. All right? But, but if we go slow and we do it right and you guys do the journey with us, we're building with solid rock instead of fluff so that we can carry something that God can do for a long time. Amen? Do you guys hear my heart? But I believe with all my heart that we're going to be experiencing outpourings like we've never seen before. I believe with all my heart that, that we're going to be a church that is in revival. Okay? But you can't wait for revival to happen to you. you got to choose to engage into the Kairos moment of what he's doing and become the revival. Okay? But I believe that. I believe we're going to see signs and wonders and miracles. I believe that, that we're going to have encounters and there's going to be angelic things, crazy things happen. I believe that we're going to see um, people have prophesied so many times that we're going to see manifestations of God that have never been seen on this earth before. I believe it. I don't know what that means yet. doesn't matter yet because we're not there yet, but we're building towards something. Amen? But I, I believe that, that we're going to be known not, not for prestige sake or for or marketing sake, but people are going to know that this is a house where healing happens. I think it already is at some level, but there's way more ahead of us. Okay? There's so much ahead of us. And it's not just going to be about overflow of the church, but I believe that God's doing something regional. And, and it's not all just about us. There's other things God's building towards. But I believe that we have a significant role in a move of God. <laughs> I believe it. That's what I'm trying to help us all capture the vision of where God is over here. When he's saying, I've already done this thing, it's already here. Can you come in and dream? How far can you dream into what I've already created? Because that's going to be where your potential comes in. I've been dreaming some big dreams. Would you dare, my friends, dream with me with God? Come on. That's why we're taking our time on this. Why don't you guys, if you will dare to dream with me for the greater things and you're, and you're going you're gonna to say, I want to be a part of this with you, I want you to stand with me right now. <laughs> Good. Come on. And by the way, I, I'm not necessarily trying to 
especially the guests in the room. I'm not, I'm not trying to bind you into a covenant here. If God's not calling you here, but I just want us to lay hold of this thing together, even in the region. Amen? All right, why don't you guys lift your hands to the Lord? God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the Spirit of prophecy, Lord, that you will unlock eyes in the Spirit right now, Lord, just to be able to dream into the greater things. Dream into the greater things, Lord. That you, Lord, I pray that you'll help people in this room right now and those who may listen later or online right now. Lord, help us, help us to recognize that the things that you've shown me and Jessica are not just for me and Jessica, but it's for all of those who you call into this with us. And I pray that you'll reveal at a deep spirit level, Lord, the magnitude of an inheritance that is for them, that's for us collectively. Thank you, God. Why don't you guys take a moment right now and just ask the Lord to open your eyes. And ask him to help you dream into what he's already he, he, what he's already created in the in the heavens for us. Ask him, what does it look like for me to to be able to, to recognize an inheritance you've already given me? You guys ask him that. What does it look like to possess that? knowing that there are things between me and that in this natural realm. Holy Spirit, I ask you to breathe on this right now in Jesus' name. And some of you, you maybe God hasn't, uh, at least up to, up to this point, called you to this church. I don't want you to feel exempt from this. Ask Him for yourself. Like, what are, what are the inheritances God has already prepared for you? What does it look like for you to lay hold of that and not let go of it and then possess it? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord, unlock our ability to dream with God and to believe for greater things. And then to put our skin in the game, Lord, of possessing the land. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Bless everybody in here right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Is anybody blessed right now? Hallelujah. Dream bigger. Dream bigger. Whatever revivals we've heard of or seen, that, that's not big enough. You got it? And it's probably not going to be mimic of that either. Yeah.